Just like podcasts, newsletters are a great way to learn more about history. So that's why I created the History Weekly Newsletter. To round up all the best history podcasts of the week, I break them down just for you. And as a little bonus, I outline a major historical event that occurred each day that week in history, along with pictures, of course. Consisting of four sections, I first list those major historical events, then I list all the history podcasts that I listened to that week with their cover arts and links, rank the three best episodes, and finish with a guest recommendation. So if you're looking for a new newsletter to follow and learn even more history, follow the link in the show notes or enter your email at historyweekly.eo.page slash landing. And now, to the show. It's a cold, damp morning on October 2nd, 1263, in the lush fields of Largs, a small coastal town in Scotland situated on the Firth of Clyde. The armies of Norway and Scotland have come to meet after tensions have been brewing for quite some time. Most of their disputes revolve around land, for trade, for resources, and for routes. Much of this land encompasses islands that were strategically connected to ports, which only heightened their importance for each side. Additionally, there have been frequent raids on the Scottish coast by Vikings of the Norse. King Alexander of Scotland has made several attempts to resolve these matters civilly, in trade and negotiation, but they've fallen on deaf ears. So as the king looks down upon the Norse with his army facing the sea, he reflects on the events of the past decade that have brought them both here as he gets ready to lead his outnumbered army into battle. This is the story of William Wallace, and you're listening to To Be a Rebel. This is To Be a Rebel, the podcast that takes you through the lives of real rebels throughout history that have defied unjust authority and stood up for themselves and their beliefs, at times costing them their lives or their reputations, and sometimes both. This is the first of a three-part series on William Wallace, the famous freedom fighter and guardian of Scotland, affectionately known as Braveheart. This episode will focus on the major events in Scotland from his birth into adulthood, his early life, and a little bit more about the Wallace clan. Next week, We'll focus on the major battles and events he participated in up until his capture in 1305. Despite being outnumbered at the Battle of Largs, the Scots had the advantage of fighting on their home turf and a good knowledge of the terrain. Having defensive positions also aided them as they faced impaired visibility due to weather. A violent storm erupts on the last day of September that batters both crew and ship of the Norse just another island over. Overnight, some of their ships detach and drift off to the Scottish mainland, which they can't afford to lose. As they make their way on land, they're met with resistance from a few Scottish scouts and archers that had been in the area aware of their activities. King Haakon of Norway, on the other side of the Firth of Clyde, dispatches a larger force to relieve them and the Scottish scurry on their way. Commander Augment of the Norse then takes a small force to a hillock overlooking the southerly approach, but they're soon met by a large Scottish force that beats them back to the boats as they attempt to sound the alarm. With a very chaotic evacuation, King Hawken is forced to retreat and abandon ships, supplies, and men as he makes his way back to Norway. 
Though he did have other contingencies in the area, he didn't think it wise to push further. And indeed, he would prove to be correct, as he died of illness while wintering in the Orkney Islands just three months later in December. With King Hawkins' son Magnus at the realm, he signs the Treaty of Perth with the Scots just three years later in 1266. With the treaty ratified, the Scots received the islands of Hebrides and the Isle of Man in exchange for annual payments and a sum of silver. It is then that they embark on a period of prosperity and relative peace with their neighbors. Relations with England in particular have been stable for decades now. As things settle down with the Norse, a new legend is born, one that would be needed when it counted most. This man, William Wallace, would live in infamy in Scotland even to this day. A national hero through and through, much of his story has been obfuscated by myth and lore, though the evidence that does exist points to a strong and grisly man, one that was truly brave and fought for the common people. William Wallace's life began in the lowlands in the west of Scotland, Ellerslie to be exact. Historians estimate the year to be 1270, though it isn't exactly certain due to a lack of records. Most of what we know about his life comes from English archival records and a famous Scottish poet named Blind Harry who was born in the 15th century. He was born to a family of minor nobility, though it's still uncertain whether they were landowners or not. The name Wallace is thought to indicate Welsh origin, derived from the old English word Wallace, W-A-L-E-I-S. It means foreigner or stranger, which was often used to describe someone from Wales during these times. His father, Sir Malcolm Wallace, is believed to be a knight in Ellerslie. Being part of the Wallace clan there, William was almost destined to become a monk like his uncle with the church having been one of the few outlets of opportunity for young men in the area. But he went on to take an extremely different route. Growing up, he learned Latin and French, as was custom in the courts. He was also rumored to speak Gaelic in addition to English. As he grows up, young William develops a fondness for liberty in the teachings he learns from his uncles and others. Here is one of the Latin precepts practiced by his uncle, who is a priest in Dunipis. Dico tibi verum, libertas optima rerum, non quam civili sub, nexu vivito fili. Or in English, My son, I tell thee, soothfastly, no gift is like to liberty, to never live in slavery. He also ran into trouble with Englishmen frequently, especially as events unfolded in the background. In 1286, when William would have just been reaching adulthood, a series of events plunged Scotland into chaos, which the English King Edward I would go on to take advantage of. It's the night of March 19, 1286 in Edinburgh, Scotland. King Alexander III has just convened a council meeting and is eager to get back to his new wife Yolanda of just five months. Being this early in the marriage, Alexander still craves her company and is yearning for it. Tonight, however, it is getting late and very dark. The weather fares them no better, bringing storms and even more limited visibility. The king's advisors recommend that he waits till morning to set out, but he is adamant. As they mount their horses, 
Alexander feels an outpouring of love over him as he thinks of his wife waiting for him back at Kinghorn Castle. But as they get further along, and the sky turns pitch black, his advisors realize that he has become estranged from the rest of the squadron. They look everywhere but can't seem to find him. They spend all night searching up and down the route they came until finally they stumble across something in the early morning hours. Along the way, they find many fallen branches from the storm, as well as hoofprints from the king's horse. They lead to a cliff with a steep drop-off just a ways out of a forest canopy. As they scale it and walk towards the shore beyond, they finally find the king's body mangled up with the horses and conclude that the horse must have fallen off. As the men prepare the body and send word for the funeral arrangements, the entire country is sent into disarray. King Alexander was no stranger to loss. In addition to his first wife, he had also lost all three of his children during his lifetime. This meant that the next heir in line was his granddaughter Margaret, maid of Norway. The only issue, albeit a big one, was that she was only three years old at the time. With Scotland not feeling confident quite yet in their new queen, King Edward I of England proposes a marriage between her and his son to unite the two kingdoms. Without many other options, the Scottish agree and travel is arranged for Margaret to leave Norway for her new home in England. Along the way, however, her luck turns sour just as her grandfather's did. She falls ill on the voyage and succumbs to death in the Orkney Islands, ironically the same ones that King Haakon of Norway had died on while escaping the Scots more than two decades earlier. Her death would send Scotland into even more chaos, now without a clear leader or a path to select one. No less than 13 different parties would make claim to the throne, causing multiple rifts to emerge in their national identity. Unable to fairly select a new leader, they looked to King Edward to intervene and make their choice for them. This would be a mistake, however, for several reasons. The first being that his choice, John Balliol, was an English sympathizer with vast estates there as well. His nickname, Tomb Tabard, or Empty Coat, paid homage to his unpopularity among the Scottish populace. Secondly, he made the new king, as well as his vassals, pledge loyalty to him, which paved way for the former's conquests and absorption of the latter. In hindsight, many historians posit that this arrangement would have made it easy for King Edward to absorb Scotland and unite the two kingdoms. But his barbarous tactics and negligence of the will of the people caused him to be wildly unpopular and inspire rebellion across the country. And the man that would lead the charge against him years later was just coming of age as these events unfolded. Seeing the injustices brought upon his people and country at such a formative age by the English would fuel him, along with others, to fight back. Thanks for listening to To Be a Rebel, this has been the first of a three-part series on William Wallace of Scotland, affectionately known as Braveheart. Today we cover the major events in Scotland from his birth into adulthood, his early life, and a little bit more about the Wallace clan. Next week, we'll focus on the major battles and events he participated in up until his capture in 1305. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you told your friends and family about it and gave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you're listening now. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on all our new episodes covering all of history's rebels. Have an idea for a rebel you'd like to see covered? Email me, david at echofox.media to have it considered. A quick note on dramatizations. We can't always know exactly what was said, but these depictions are based on historical research. Hosting and production is done by me, David Lose. Editing and sound design by Brianna Reese. Historical research for this episode was helped compiled by David Lose. Links to all of our sources used and resources for further reading can be found in the show notes. We'll see you next week, and until then, take care.